Welcome to Uncontained, episode 117. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and on the show today, I speak with Bay Area comedian Jose Contreras. We talk about a recent audition that he had for a project that Kevin Hart is working on called Heart of the City, and we also talk about why it's important for comics to support each other, because if one member of this comedy scene is getting attention, that brings attention to the whole comedy scene. So that's all coming up. I won't keep you waiting much longer. Here is my conversation with Jose Contreras. How are you doing today, Jose? Man, I'm 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 feeling good, man. I'm feeling all right. How about yourself? I'm doing good, dude. I'm doing good. Thanks for coming on and uh talking with me today. And Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. I, I saw you a couple weeks back at uh Tommy T's in Pleasanton. And uh, it was during a stand-up comedy contest, and I like I liked your set. I know you had to do a little bit shorter set than you're probably used to, a little five-minute set, but uh, it went well, man. It went well. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. So, what have you been up to, man? In the two weeks since I saw you, three weeks since I saw you. <laughs> uh, since you saw me, I was actually I, at that time I was preparing for. Uh, a an audition for Kevin Hart's show on Comedy Central called Heart of the City. Uh, so I ended up um, auditioning for that, and it was actually it was a hell of a two weeks. I got super fucking sick, ended up getting a little respiratory infection, Rough. got into a car accident, had to get a new car from it, and then uh, auditioned. And auditioned rather, I was I was sick as shit, man. It was crazy, but I'm actually quite proud of, of my performance. I felt like I put on a, a a Jordan and the flu game performance. I think I did rather well. And whether nice. or not I get the audition, I, I think I represented myself very well. So we'll see. Right. And maybe they'll see that, man, this guy was sick when he came and did this and he still put some, uh, you know, put that effort into it. I'm hoping, man. Cause I was, I was up there sweating like a month. Like I was like, man, and my voice was cracking, but the audience was laughing so hard. I was like, God damn, they laughing at me right now. And so it, it was, it was one of those moments where it felt, Everything kind of like, even though everything seemed like it was falling apart prior to when the, when showtime came, everything fell in place. And if, I was like, man, who? <laughs> nice, good. nice. So I, I see how you made the Jordan flu game comparison. Exactly. Growing up in the Midwest, I was a huge Chicago Bulls fan growing up, big Jordan fan. And you bet your ass I watched that game. <laughs> I, I, I think somebody like in uh, it was against Utah and they like the rumor is the pizza delivery guy poisoned his pizza or something like that. So it wouldn't wouldn't be any good. But he didn't study Michael Jordan like the hurt more hurt. He is the sicker. He is the more he's going to hurt you. <laughs> man. Yeah. That man. That, that's him. I mean, uh, the, the, the whole Kobe LeBron Jordan conversation. But him, I don't know. LeBron is great. But him and, and Kobe, in my mind, were just fucking sick in the head in terms of being competitors. Like, there's those two right there. There is nothing that you, Kobe Kobe was out here shooting free throws with a torn Achilles, man. Like, <laughs> Michael Jordan drops 40 or whatever with the flute. Like, you just, you can't, those two right there are just disgusting competitors. And it was beautiful to watch. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. But let's talk about your comedy right now, all right, man? We could talk about basketball a little bit later yeah, or whatever. Yeah, But, you know, it's your show. If you want to talk about basketball, I can talk basketball. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so where do you find your material from? Is it from life or is it, like, observational or what? I'd say a, a mixture of both. Pretty much all of my material is it, it spawns from something that I've observed in my life. Okay. Either something that I've been through personally or something that I've I've seen or just random like I get random thoughts throughout the day uh, and I'm like oh let me that could be a good joke right there or even in conversation uh which you know uh I I hear a lot of comedians deal with this like the moment that they kind of get deeper into comedy they kind of we kind of transform a bit to where like I, I I can't have a normal conversation with friends and family or more so friends. Cause we'll have a conversation. And I'm like, hold on, let me write that down. Right. Now. <laughs> you know? So it, it, that's kind of how it happens. It just happens throughout the day. But you kind of have to do that or else those moments that you're like, I should have written down just like yes. float away out of your mind. You know, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite uh, lines in, in hip hop is, uh, there's a Kanye line. He said, I, I forgot better shit than you ever thought of. And that's <laughs> like, I'd be like, man, some of the best, I could have probably had some of the best jokes ever, I feel like, but I fucking forgot them. So I'm like, I got to write it down whenever I can. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've been there myself, man. And I, I need to start writing things down again. Uh, you know, jokes that come to me or whatever. And, you know, maybe maybe I'll make my way back onto stage. But try it, man. Do it. You know, I, I feel you I don't like writing I don't I, I know quite a few comics who like they carry the notebook with them and I'm gonna go sit at Denny's for eight hours and write jokes. Like I've tried I've told myself, Oh, I got a notebook. I've gotten like all oh, I've gotten colorful notebooks and shit. <laughs> like this is gonna make me wanna write in it. And then I try to sit and write and I'm just like, I don't feel like fucking writing right now. I don't have nothing to say. So I don't always write them down because I guess out of pure laziness. Yeah. But I mean, when I do write them down, I write them in my phone or I record it in my phone. Okay, yeah, that that's a handy tool as well. I understand what you're saying. Like when you sit down to try to write, it's either like you don't feel like or nothing's coming to you as you're trying to write. Is that the thing? Yes. Yes. It's the whole like finding that being in the situation in the moments where you get the stuff. You know what it is? You know, I think it's also symbolic of just my comedy in general, because I the, the moments that I most get uh, inspired technically are inappropriate moments in terms of like, yo, I need to be focused on the task that I'm doing right now. I'm at work working on something that needs to get done in an hour, but holy shit, I just thought of five jokes that I need to write down in <laughs> 20 minutes or something like that, you know? So it, it's, it, I think it's symbolic of, of, of my comedy in general, I, somewhat inappropriate. So that's why I always have inappropriate timing in terms of when the joke comes. So when it is the quote unquote appropriate timing, doesn't work out too well for me in terms of sitting down and writing it. I hear that. I hear that. When you said you had inappropriate jokes come to you at inappropriate times, the vision that I had pop into my head is like, you know, you're starting to get all like romantic or whatever with a girl. And you're like, hold on. I got a joke. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, that's exactly where I thought too when I was saying it. That's happened. That, eh. I'm not gonna lie. When when I get in that zone, I'm I'm like I'm like Kobe or Jordan, like I was describing. So I'm in the zone when it comes to that, for the most part. But there <laughs> have been times 
where I'm with a, a, a woman that I'm dealing with and I'll say some inappropriate shit that that relates to something that I went through with another girl, you know, prior. Just, okay. just like, look, I like I try to break it down. Like, look, don't take offense to this, but listen to this joke right here. Or, you know, say something stupid. It'll be something embarrassing to them that. Yeah. That, and I'll be like, oh, man. So yeah, sometimes I hurt feelings with the jokes, which hurt, which sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah, and as you said earlier, I think it might have been before the show, uh, as we were just talking, you were like, women do not like to be made fun of at all. They don't like to be embarrassed at all, and that can happen in those situations. <laughs> oh yeah, most most definitely. Yeah, I actually had to. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's just like in terms of. Uh, of courting women in general that's one thing that you'll find i don't i don't want to generalize but i'm gonna generalize <laughs> i'd say a good at least 98 percent of women one key in order to to successfully courting if you will is recognizing that women do not like to be embarrassed at all they don't whether it be proving them wrong which happens a lot don't <laughs> like it, but it happens a lot you know what i'm saying i had i had a I had a tweet that I had sent out a while, uh, like yesterday or whatever, and a woman friend of mine responded to it saying something completely like, wow, what kind of ridiculous ideology is this? Blah, 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 blah. And then I retort with, actually, you took it. You jumped the gun on this. You didn't. You misread what I said. Won't you reread it and look at what I really said? No response. Because proved her wrong. Because her whole argument was, oh, man, and it was public. So yeah, that's that's one thing to one way to talk your way out some pussy is to <laughs> is to embarrass a woman by doing something as simple as proving her wrong. Yes, yes. All right. <laughs> so at the show that I saw you at, you know, it was like it's a two set thing. You you came close to winning the show, but the it was first rigged. I should have won. No. <laughs> 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 <clears throat> no no comment no comment uh I, I think i'll have i'm i'm working on getting lucky on the show too so uh hey, hey fuck lucky dollars no <laughs> <laughs> shout out to lucky dollars <laughs> right on right on start start like a bay area stand-up start. comedy battle hey man you believe it or not there's a lot of comics who who go at each other it's like uh comics will have beef with each other which is the most redundant thing uh and like period in terms of especially in terms of comics who don't nobody even know who the fuck we are so it's like a crabs in the barrel thing to me like well why the fuck are you trying why would you waste your energy trying to bring somebody down who's you know what i'm saying first yeah. off i think that's that's petty to bring to try to bring somebody else down to pull yourself out secondly i mean if you are going to be that type of individual why would you choose somebody who's adjacent to you or below you why wouldn't you go up you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah, comics have uh, about as much like beef with each other as women, or you know how they say women are catty or, or with <laughs> each other, shit like that. That's kind of how comics are. It's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. So when I was doing stand up, there was some people who would definitely, you know, try to get ahead just by or talk shit behind other people other comics backs being like dude he's been doing that same joke for years or can he come up with new material stuff like that but yeah. the cool thing is though there are groups of people that groups of comics that actually have the mindset where it's like hey you doing good in this scene is good for me doing good in this scene because it brings more attention to the scene exactly 
Exactly. And that stand-up competition, to me, it looked kind of like that. You know, a lot of people, a lot of comics coming together, putting on good shows, bringing attention to the scene. And the kicker was, in the final round, they made you kind of stretch your stand-up style in a way by throwing a limitation on your set. Yes, by going clean. Yes. Yes, they made everybody do three minutes clean. And after watching the first set, I don't know how some people did it. <laughs> man, I don't know how I did it. My, I, I, I hate clean comedy. Like I'd be on, I'll be, a lot of people do, I think, but it's like, I also understand that it is necessary in terms of getting on TV and stuff like that, unfortunately. Uh, but it's also something that I disagree with in, in the sense that, uh, we idolized Richard Pryor. We idolized George Carlin. We idolized Lenny Bruce. And these people, you know, broke the barriers of, of like, yo, we don't have to be clean all the fucking time. And yet, we still got to be clean all the fucking time in order to get ahead. Like, people want us, it's like, why, why can't I, why can't I get up here and say motherfuck shit? I'm saying all, all that. Why do I have to be? Hey guys, ha 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 ha. A B C D E F G. Like, what the fuck <laughs> is that about? But I mean, yeah, it was a it was a challenge, and I'm glad that I was able to succeed in in getting through the set because I was nervous as hell. Like, damn, how am I gonna? compete at all like jesus yeah right on and you know along with what you're saying about uh you know idolizing prior and carlin and other comics that were like dirty and then saying you have to be clean you know to work it's kind of like i guess in a way it's like you gotta earn your right to be filthy like go through the ranks show that you can do a clean set so people will look at you right and like as far as like bookers and stuff like that but once you get a name for yourself and a crowd that will follow you whether you're offensive or not yeah i mean yeah i think that's definitely true because even like uh i was watching uh i was listening to a podcast with uh barry Katz interviewing um jeffrey jeff ross and they mentioned his uh set on letterman like his first big tv set and how he was like had to do it all clean and shit and it's on youtube i went and watched it and i was like holy shit jeffrey ross is up here talking very rather clean he actually has all his hair and shit like that and (laughs) it was shocking to see because when i think jeffrey ross i'm thinking some foul obscene shit that he'll say in a roast and it's like, well, I guess he had to earn his strike. He, you know, he had to earn that right too, which, I mean, I agree, I, I agree with to an extent, but I don't agree with because it's like, why are we having to do this when people already went through the wall and got bloody so that we can come through after and do the same thing? But TV is TV, so you got to, I mean, TV is getting wild nowadays, especially I think South Park is a key component to that where you can say shit, fuck, all kinds of stuff on TV. Well, that is on cable. Like, on network television, you still can't say, like, shit, fuck, cunt, bitch, shit like that. You can say bitch, but it, network television is regulated by the FCC. But cable, since you pay for it to come into your home, it's not yeah. regulated by the FCC. It's regulated by sponsors. Like, oh, if no, you're too offenses. Too, okay. Yeah, if you're too offensive on a cable TV program and nobody wants to watch you, you're going to lose your sponsors, and with no sponsors, you have no show. 
Okay, so I, I didn't even realize, I didn't even think about it. Network meaning like Fox, ABC, channels that you can get without cable. Correct. Okay, I got you. I got you. Well, damn, I never even knew that. That's interesting. Things you learn when you work in radio for seven years. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. All right, so in addition to your stand-up comedy, I was actually checking out your um, your Instagram page. And you got some cool stuff on there. Like, I noticed you have a few different videos where you have these picture boards with random images, and you go through and create a story from that. What, what, where'd that come from? Or, like, what started this? So, it's a, um, the board is called a, a, a jam board. Uh, a jam board is like a, it's a, I guess it's a, from my understanding, it's a highly expensive board. Uh, in which it's it's like a it's almost like a a big ass tablet board, if you will. And uh, one day at work, waiting for a meeting to start, I start drawing pictures on it, and it has the option to uh, suggest draw for you. So you squig you squig because I can't draw for shit. <laughs> so you squiggle something, and then it says, "Did you mean?" Kind of like autocorrect does. All right, your Google search. <laughs> yeah. So I so I start uh I just start drawing stuff, random pictures of just whatever I felt came to my mind. And then my boy Chance, who was there with me, he's like, All right, this is how the story go. And he tells a story about it. I'm like, Oh, that's hella funny. I should make a video on that. And so that's how I started doing it, really kind of the first story was largely inspired by his words and then after that I, I continued it on and kept it he helps me uh record them i'll just draw random images that you know maybe i'll think of something that came to my head like i, I did one um on uh i think it was right after the starbucks situation and i was like oh my god so i related the starbucks to h&m to the nfl like i drew all these pictures to kind of tie in the story and just and bam i i, I kind of actually did a joke in a story like a yeah. joke that i came up with i was like you know what right now i'm not having any ideas but i want to post a video bam let me take my joke and put it on the board and that's kind of what i did and so and all my other stories will just be random whatever maybe it could be something topical in the in the news or whatever i try to kind of stay away from that because i want it to be more innovative on my end I meaning like oh oh snap he just randomly came up with this versus like Okay, I'm I'm just using what what you guys gave me. I'm going to talk about Kanye West right now because everybody's talking about Kanye. I, I kind of don't like doing that. <laughs> and there's plenty to talk about Kanye though right now. I'll tell you that. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying I don't want to talk about it, but then I keep talking about it. It's like I can't. I can't. Did you hear? Uh, did you hear that one song he released? Or he's all whoop did he poop. Scoop did he like literally those are the lyrics to the to the words like I, I think I missed that one. Oh my it's a beautiful beat. The beat goes crazy and then he fucking he he's like he's trolling. He's like, wait man, wait for these bars right here to come. Check out this these next bars. And then literally he says like whoop did he scoop? Scoop did he poop? Poopity poop poop. And it's like, what the fuck? And and, and even though it's like I don't want to discuss this. I find myself throughout the day, whoop did he scoop? I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> fuck is going on, man? Damn. That man is something else. He's something else. Yes, yes. So, and like, also on your Instagram, you kind of had a little rant about 
music these days sound like damn kids these days listen to their music but yeah, uh, yeah. but all right you were talking about listening to tupac back in the day I'll, I, what's your rant you go ahead and uh like what is it about today's music that make you those damn kids you know what I, I was doing it from a standpoint that was somewhat of that, but then also somewhat of accept, of acceptance. Because I used to be, I'm very critical of music. But where I was coming from with that, like, I used to be very critical and be like, man, as soon as, I, if, I, if I don't like it, man, fuck, that's whack. There's weak-ass rappers. Get them, get them off. I don't want to hear this bullshit. Now, I still kind of have those sentiments with a lot of these younger rappers. But, being a performer doing comedy, I've gained respect for any performer who gets up there and has the audacity to put themselves out there. Cause I understand, you know, how scary that shit is yeah. and how, you know, when you try something different, especially, and you know, and people don't receive it well, I know how that feels. So I'm like, you know what? I respect the audacity of any performer, even if I don't like what they're doing. And there's a lot of rappers today with the colorful hair and shit like that, that I just do not like because I think that their lyrics lack any substance. And well, shit, the only they lack they lack any substance. Yet they talk about substance abuse. That's, the, that's all <laughs> okay. You know gotcha. Like, Got the double entendre. And the little rant that I was going on was just kind of joking, like you know they they would always say that. Um, that you know, rap and hip hop and stuff is oh my god, or music in general, even with like Marilyn Manson and shit like that. Like, oh, these guys are are um, the reason for crime and and shit like that, and, and the reason why people are shooting each other and stabbing each other and doing all this X, Y, and Z. And I, and I think back and I'm like, well, shit, back when when pop was around, it, it, you know, talking about uh, hit them up. Or Marilyn Manson was doing the weird shit that he was doing. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't too many school shootings going on. There wasn't too many random, you know, shootings and killings and all these crimes going on. And yeah, now I, I will say that the music is influential because you got a bunch of crackheads on the mic. You know what I'm saying? Telling these kids to be crackheads, and these yeah. kids are easily these kids are, are either they're very either the influence of these artists is that good. Or these kids that were born in the 2000s are that goddamn dumb. Because they're out here eating Tide Pods and all kinds. They're easily impress impressionable. And, and that's some scary shit. And these artists, that's that's part of the reason why I really don't like them. Because the influence that they have and their, uh, their refusal to acknowledge it, you know, is irresponsible. Okay. Even with someone... Now you got Kanye participating in this shit. You know, kind of like... They're, they're choosing to, yeah, I understand. I don't want to be nobody's role model, blah, 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 blah. The whole Charles Barkley thing from back in the day. Yeah, but when, when you're at that level, it doesn't matter what you don't want to be. You are what you are. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So I was it, it was just a playful, you know, playful way of kind of, of saying something serious. Kind of, it's kind of how like my comedy is. I like to social commentary via jokes. Right on, man. Right on. So, as far as like the music um, with the colorful haired rappers and uh, all that shit, what do you think needs to be done? Anything? I think people just need to stop. People need to stop supporting them. You know what I'm saying? Think, think for themselves. Really, what's going on? Um, 
these these uh, these artists are getting uh, pushed out here by executives at the record labels. So these record labels are in charge of this, and the record label, you know, the, the record, the, those that are the execs at the record labels, often time are the cliche white dudes with the button ups and the and the ties on and shit. And then there's also there's some people of color, depending on what la- label it is. But it's like these record execs are pushing that out here, and the consumers are just accepting it, kind of just taking it, as opposed to saying no. Nah, that's not it. Nope, that's not gonna work. Got to take, really, got to take it into our own hands to be like, nah, fuck all that. J- just the same way that uh, that people um shut down a couple H and M's here and there, or protest. Some people protest the Starbucks, or like how how Ti will have people shutting down restaurants and shit like that based on something they do. I think is on that end. I think the people don't don't realize their their power over that um and yeah i don't know maybe maybe if we had more influential artists coming out and speaking again like hey man this shit right here is stupid you know why are we doing that like it it, it, even with these younger dudes uh, they started going on a movement where they're saying no more lean we're not drinking lean no more because a few influential artists in their community died and that's what it took. You know what I'm saying? So they're not drinking what anymore? Lean, the uh, codeine and shit like that. Okay. Cough syrup or whatever. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, the people were dying off of it, and it took for people to, even though people was already, we already knew, like, yeah, you ain't supposed to be drinking shit like that. Why? Why would you do that? You know, people were still thinking it was a fad until so and so ends up dead off of it, and now it's oh no, let's not do that no more. Yeah, yeah, like with uh, Robotussin, like back in the day, like even I, I knew a few people who did what they called Robo tripping. Like if you if <laughs> you tripping, yeah, I've never heard that. Yeah, so I, I imagine it's along the same line, but enough of that. You kind of get this is not a go try this at home audience. All right, don't try this at home. <laughs> don't say I heard it on Uncontained. They were going to say drink a bunch of Robo Tussin and uh, hey, hey, you know what? If you put it to, I'll, I'll put this out there. This isn't. This is on behalf of myself. If you're dumb enough to go try some shit that you heard on here. <laughs> Even though we just said that, hey, you know what? It was written, dude. You was meant to die off that. That's all you. If you want to be that dumb, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, natural selection. That's what that's called. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I I don't know. I don't know. So um, let's let's jump off this robo trip and shit. And uh, you mentioned we talked about it briefly before. Kevin Hart, Heart of the City. You auditioned for that. What exactly is the Heart of the City? Heart of the City is a show that I want to say that uh, one of Kevin's openers, Joey Wales, from what I've heard, is is like the key. He's, I think it was his main idea. I couldn't be wrong on that, but he's definitely a part of it. And Kevin Hart's a part of it. They go, when they go to certain cities, they um, give local comics an opportunity to get showcased on television, on Comedy Central. And um, from what I've seen of the show, I've only seen like really like a few episodes of the first season. They usually choose like three, sometimes four comedians, and then they go to a certain place. They do little interview. Kevin talks with comedians. 
little round table discussion kind of talking about you know the typical shit that comedians go through and stuff like that and his experiences their experiences and then it gets into the sets uh of the comedians the comedians each get like a five to seven minute set or something like that okay uh, and so yeah they did it they actually did it in sacramento in the first season um they did one out there and now they're getting they're apparently they're going to be doing it in oakland and we had what they did was uh, they contacted. Um, I want to say Rick Sullivan was who, who was contacted, um, and Rick put together three shows in Oakland at uh, Lena's Soul Food, and then two shows at Jeffrey's Inner Circle, and it was thirty comics all together, ten comics per night. We all had a seven minute set. Had to be uh, didn't have to be squeaky clean, but had to be you know. Not too grimy is well, like he's uh, as in his words, um, you know. So nothing too vulgar, and then we all just did our set, and then we were told afterwards uh, that we we're not sure when they're gonna make their decision. There's a possibility in the next few weeks that they may be out here scouting for where they want to film the actual show, and okay. then during that time they may be reviewing film and picking who they who they want to choose. All right, very cool. You will have to uh, keep me updated on that. Let me know if you get on, uh, get on to the heart of the city, and I will let everybody know here. Um, so, you, how long have you been doing stand up, Jose? I started five years ago. I kind of say I've been doing it for like four, because that first year I only did, I literally only got on stage like three times. Okay. In that first year, so like four and a, four between four and five. All right. All right. So in that four to five years, what advice uh, would you have for somebody who is looking to get started out that you may have picked up along the way? Man, just get up there and try it. Uh, it's we're all scared. Anybody, in, in my personal opinion, anybody who actually gives a damn about it or about themselves is going to be nervous before they get up there. So don't let that stop you. Don't let any naysayers stop you there's going to be a lot of times as for us up-and-comers you know doing these open mics are dreadful because of a lot of times you're doing it in front of other comics who don't give a fuck about your your jokes at all they're just waiting for their turn to get up or their friend's turn and or they're they're rather critical of you <laughs> and what you're saying and what you're doing yet they're not getting they're not that funny themselves at all they're not really getting booked so don't let the naysayers stop you just build up enough nerve to get up there and do it and believe in it. Believe in what you're saying. Um, don't get up there and be timid. You know, I, I like to say my phrase, I get up there and I let my nuts hang. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> let get up there and, and stand tall and, and speak your truth. All right, great, man. Uh, so, yeah, it's amazing what you can get away with if you have, like, confidence in what you're saying. Um, yeah. it's, if you go up there showing, um, um, uh, I got this, uh, uh, joke for you. It's the crowd, man. It could, it could get, uh, it could get brutal, <laughs> but exactly. if you just come up there and hit them with it, it's a whole nother story. And, and, and here's the thing. You can have confidence and you can still talk like how you were just talking, but if the confidence is there, they'll see it. If it's not there. Like I, they're 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 like sharks. They smell blood, or they're they're I, I often call them wolves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're, they're definitely waiting to to find any moment to 
it's almost you know what it's actually very inter- the interesting thing about comedy people do come there to laugh but once what's i think what's under what's an under uh tone of the whole concept of a comedy show is also to an extent people coming in there to not laugh People are like, oh, this motherfucker can't make me laugh. Let me, like, they're coming in there kind of hoping to see you fail a little bit, to an extent, to an extent. To to an extent, maybe. I think part of it too is like people aren't comfortable to laugh on their own. When other people are laughing, they will they will uh, chime in. It's a domino effect. That you know what? I'm glad I didn't think to to bring that up, and I'm glad that you know that. Yes. Definitely get put that in the advice. Just because some uh, 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 if you're doing a, an audience of four people, you know what I'm saying, and they, and nobody laughs, it doesn't mean that your material is not funny. Just because somebody's not uh, an audience may not be laughing at your material does not mean that it's not funny. Often, do not let these people who really don't have confidence in themselves a lot of time, yeah, fuck up your confidence. Because that's definitely, yes, people won't laugh unless they see everybody else laughing. It's a weird thing, but people really depend on each other. So, yeah, if you have that four-person audience, I'd say, to go along with what you're saying, if you're getting chuckles, you're doing good. Like, if yes. you're getting, like, a, <laughs> uh, you know, or, like... But if you're not, even if you're getting crickets, that doesn't mean you're doing bad. That does not necessarily mean you're doing bad. Yeah, you know your audience more, figure out a way to make them laugh, yeah. But sometimes, hey, man, you got to just take it for what it is. Motherfuckers sometimes come to not, like a lot of times you're doing comedy at places where motherfuckers didn't come to hear jokes. You're doing an open mic at a bar. People are here trying to drink away their problems. They don't give a damn (laughs) about about your jokes, especially if they're not polished jokes, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. it's uh, Another thing to add to it, I view I view comedy like um like baseball, man. Everybody is going to fuck up. But if you're batting a three hundred, you're an all star. You know what I'm saying? So it's a it's a it's everybody. Everybody hell I I read JB Smooth wasn't getting the best responses recently on a uh might on uh, Martin Lawrence's tour. And JB Smooth is damn near is a comedic legend by you know what I'm saying by comedic yeah. standards. So it, it, it it's going to happen, but if you just realize that it's hey man, just wait till your next turn right back and you'll be good. That's it. Right on. Yeah, it's amazing. Like baseball, you can be good at something or succeed at something only thirty percent of the time and be considered great. You exactly. Know? Like try that at another job. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, man. That that is some really good advice that you dropped there, and good things to keep in mind as well, especially for an up and coming comic. Now, what are you doing to help get your name out there and promote yourself? Um, the, the Jamboard videos and talking about doing just doing a, a lot of stuff. Um, really trying to get the social media numbers up. Um, I'm not that big a fan of social media. I don't like using it that much. I don't like the uh, facade that the facades that it creates amongst yeah. so many people. But I do realize it's a necessary evil for entertainment in particular. So I'm trying to to build up my my numbers and my name on social media on my own standards. You know what I'm saying? Which I need to compromise a little bit because I do need to do 
certain shit that I may not be a hundred percent comfortable with, but I don't need to do shit that I'm over 50% not comfortable with. You know what I'm saying? So I just need to find my lane with that. And then other than that, getting on stage going, I gotta, I'm, I'm trying to get to different places, places that I don't really go to step out of my comfort zone. Um, May, uh, I plan on doing, even though I hate doing San Francisco comedy, I plan on doing more San Francisco comedy. And I hate the reason I say I hate doing San Francisco comedy because that's where a lot of those comics are that are in, you're at open mics with nothing but comics and they're the most condescending individuals ever for no gotcha. reason. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, why do you hate San Francisco so much? But <laughs> the, there is, there's a, there is a um, there is a bit of a, a, a rift between the East Bay and San Francisco uh, style of comedy, if you will. Um, you know, they, it's it's almost like they don't like us. We don't like them uh, on both ends. If you ask either or, well, why is it they started it? They started it, you know. And there's no solutions to it. It's it's a crabs in a barrel type thing. You got. Comics who are, I mean, at the end of the day, if we're going to be quite frank, all of us are nobodies, you know, and I'm even throwing myself in that, even though I believe in myself, like, but I, shit, I'm not on Letterman, I'm not on, you know, Conan, or, don't nobody know me, and even if, even though there's some comics out here who have been on Conan and whatnot, they're still not the biggest star in the world or anything yeah. like that, so where where is their right to be judgmental, and there's a lot of judge, judgmentalness condescension out here which is is it's very bothersome and it's just not conducive uh to creativity and and fun you know which is the whole point of doing this is having fun making people laugh yeah definitely i i actually i tie it into for me i'm a big race guy um since college really uh what at that university of california berkeley um, kind of just really opened my eyes to the whole the political politically correctness movement, if you will. Um, there's a big rate, there's a large racial undertone to it, which a lot of people try to choose to ignore. And in the com in the SF East Bay thing, it's a, essentially the same thing, but also it ties in the class to an extent, you know, it's racial and it's also gentrification because the majority of the comics that are condescending are transplants. They're not even fucking from here, you know, versus the people who are actually from the Bay tend to be, don't give a damn about what somebody else is doing. I'm just worried about me for the most part, you know. I'm one of those transplant jackasses, but uh, not all. <laughs> a good portion, a good portion. Not all. So, not all. also, like gentrification is a term I feel gets thrown around a lot. Like in your mind and your definition of gentrification, what do you have that as? For me, gentrification is manifest destiny. Uh, it's the same thing. Uh, at least by my standards, because what, what's occurring here is really outsiders are coming and taking the land from natives. And now and then, the you know, it's getting to the point where natives are damn near living on the edges of the of the town in tents. If you go through Berkeley and Oakland, you'll see homeless communities in tents mm -hmm. manifest destiny. And the sad part is. It's not all on the transplants. 
you know, by any means. Uh, the cities themselves are catering more to outsiders than they are to the natives, much like the college universities. They cater more to foreign students or students from out of state. Why? Bring more money. You know, so it's 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 a sad thing. Like, and I hate San Francisco in particular, even though I do understand that the uh, Silicon Valley area is hugely, largely responsible for this because of the yeah. tech boom and all that. However, I find that San Francisco, in particular, it's viewed by many outsiders as the heart of the Bay Area, which by at this point, it's not it's damn near not even the Bay Area. In my mind, the only part of San Francisco, for the most part, that is still San Francisco, meaning like the people there have been there for 30, 40, 50 years are the ghettos and Chinatown and whatnot, because the Chinese got that shit on lock. Chinatown, yeah. Koreatown, they they're very good at, at keeping their own. Uh, but I, I hate them because they cater the most, I feel like, to outsiders and they raise their prices. And, man, living in San Francisco is, is fucking, you know, I got a joke. I say, you you got to have a 401k plan just to be homeless in San Francisco. This shit is, <laughs> is, is crazy, man. So, yeah, the gentrification is just really, it's, it's as simple as I could put it, manifest destiny is is damn near what it is, man. And it's it's sad because there's people that are people can't even afford to live where they were born yeah you know what I'm saying? that's that's something like simple that's something simply said but when you really think process that like god damn people can't even afford to live where they were born oh yeah you know that's one thing that like really surprised me when i moved out here the cost of property a cost of housing man it's, it's gonna get to the point where it's like, i don't know who the fuck is gonna be able to, to to live out here it's gonna get to the point where there's nothing but rich people out like wealthy not even rich wealthy people out here and it's like it's, it's some scary shit man it's it's going back into music too it's like uh kendrick lamar you listen to kendrick I've listened to a couple of those things. I'm not. I I haven't been huge into rap ever since it went bling bling. Like, okay. like I I liked I liked shit back in the day. Like mentioned Tupac earlier. I listened to some of that. I loved Outkast, Bone Thugs and Harmony, shit like that. But in that case, in that case, you will like Kendrick then. Okay. Not not out here. He's not my favorite artist, nothing. But you will like Kendrick based on his content matter. And then, and on his recent album, he got a song called "Fear," and he has this line. Uh, he says, "Like it feels, I feel like um, he feels like where Pac was at. You know, what I'm saying like the feeling of an apocalypse, and it's not awkward to nobody." Yeah. Like, shit, and that I was like, "Yo, that's probably the best line in hip hop that I've heard in a while." In a while, because it's so fucking. It feels like we're in the middle of an apocalypse right now. And nobody's saying, yo, this shit is weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, you look yeah. at the presidency, you look at the hip-hop, the music, you know what I'm saying, the pop culture, what the fuck is going on with everybody popping pills and looking weird and Miley Cyrus up here on stage with dildos and shit. And, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, 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 and that's just music. And then the gentrification thing, weed. Weed being legalized now, I cringe when I see. I, I mean, I like it; it's cool. I, I smoke weed; that's cool. But when I see fucking, I seen a Tesla car driving the other day, 
and it had uh, all over an advertisements for a website. And I said, I bet you I know what that website is. Let me, while I'm in traffic, let me search what this website is. It was a weed dispensary website. It was a website teaching you how to grow and maintain a business. And it's like, I cringe at looking at it because I know that not too long ago, weed was a crime, you know what I'm saying, that targeted certain people. Now that it's, you know, now that certain other people are in charge, like it's legalized, now certain other people get the benefit off of it when there's some people that are still in prison off of it. You know what I'm saying? Or some people who still have felonies off of it. And it's, it, it, it's, it, it's crazy. It's, it's weird. It's fucking weird. And nobody's calling it. Nobody's calling what, you know, saying, yo, look at this. Yeah. And if they do, they're silenced. So it's some, it's some scary shit. My bad, I went on. It. No, it's it's all good, man. It's all good. But let's uh let's get back on track here to uh it's weird to jump from that right to highlights, but <laughs> it's all good. But uh what is a highlight or two that you would uh care to share with the uh uncontained audience? Man, as of recently, uh in November I I threw like my I've been doing shows for a while, but I like I I put together my own show at Tommy T's for the nice. first time in November. Uh, yeah, it was cool. I, I produced it. I, I I booked everybody. I headlined it. And then I get a call the day of from Jay Rich, who was in charge of that contest that you see me. And he's like, yo, don't say nothing, but I think George Wallace might be stopping by your show. Because George Wallace was on the radio with another comic friend, Rudy Ortiz, and Rudy had mentioned my like I think George had asked him if there was any shows around because he wanted some stage time. Yeah, and Rudy was like, "Yeah, check out Tommy T's tonight." And Jay called me. He was listening to it. And he called me. He's like, "Hey, man, I'm not too sure. My wife told me not to say nothing, but I had to tell you. I think George Wallace might be there." And I was like, "What? That's crazy!" And then you know I'm, I'm excited about it, but I'm not speaking on it. And then we get there, showtime. Sure enough, George Wallace walks in. Nice. I'm like, oh shit. So I walk up, hey Mr. Wallace, my name's Jose Contreras. Did you want some stage time tonight? You know, and accommodating him, you know, getting some music for him, all that shit. Um, he gets on, does his thing. Then I get on and after him, I you know, I headline, I have a pretty good show. And then afterwards, you know, talk to him and he's complimenting me. He's like, Hey man, you don't got you don't got potential, you got it. Nice. <laughs> like you know, like I, I feel like it, deep down, I feel that, like yeah, I do, I, I do feel like I'm special. I got it. But then when you get co-signed by somebody that's a legend in the games, like ah, and then he invited me to open up for him because he was at Tommy T's that weekend to open up for him on one night, and I'm like oh, and we go and we're there, and you know, um, the the opener, the person who was booked to open, he opens, and then George Wallace comes out prior to when he's set to come out gets on stage and he brings me on stage really and i'm i'm like what? so i get up there i do my little set then he gets on and he does his thing i'm like wow and then you know i had his number um you know he took my card and he te- actually no excuse me he took my card i gave him my card and he actually texted me like he texted me like uh just randomly like yo how was the how was your show? Because I was going right after that. I was going to L.A. to do a show uh, at, at Flappers Comedy Club Burbank. And he texts me like, eh, to say, asking random questions. I'm like, who is this? He's cracking jokes. Like, it's, your, it's your daddy, bitch, or something like that. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit, Mr. Wallace. 
and then we end up getting into a conversation about comedy, and he asked, you know, how how was the show at Burbank? And I was like, no, it went well. I did my thing, blah, blah, blah. And then we end up talking a little bit. He drops game on me and, like, you know, telling me how, you know, for him, for you know, comedy is life. Comedy is, is the most important thing ever. It's better than anything, better than any drug, sex, anything. And just, like, I'm like, yo, I got George Wallace's phone number, and I'm talk, talking to George Wallace. I haven't talked to him since because I, I don't, I don't want to be like a groupie, but I am planning on texting him soon because I'm, I'm planning on going to New York and I'm just asking him, hey, you know any places I can get on? Hopefully he'll remember me. We'll see. Yeah, but that yeah. was that was a highlight. That was dope. That is awesome, man. That is awesome, man. It's always good to have be able to have like a mentor like that too if you're able to keep in contact with him and shit like that. So. Uh, Hell yeah. That is that is awesome. So when somebody does come to see you perform, Jose Contreras, uh, yes. what do you want them to take away? What do you want them to remember about your performance? I'm all about um, my favorite artists. My favorite comedians were all are, are social commentators. Um, so I like to incorporate the social commentary in my show. So I want people to I want people to laugh. More importantly, I want them to think though. So that's on me to challenge myself to give you some material to be like, hmm, that's a that right there is is very interesting. I think one of the best compliments that I got is um, was that it was a predominantly white audience, and I'll be honest, there's, I'm getting over it now. But for a minute there, I was afraid of predominantly white audiences because hmm. predominantly white audiences they'll let you know they don't like your ass in, in five seconds, and they'll do it passive aggressively. And it's just like, man, you're like, you're up there and you're like, fuck, why do I, why am I even talking anymore? You don't care. You know what I'm saying? Especially with me, somebody like me who talks about, I'll go into, I'll talk about race. I'll talk about race. I just did a whole spiel on fucking Manifest Destiny. They don't always want to hear that. You know what I'm saying? Because it sounds like you're, they're being attacked. So that's why I've, at first, and initially that's how I would do it. It would be almost like I was attacking. Now I've kind of learned, no, you don't have to, you got to rephrase it to where, no, we're having a conversation. We're not attacking. And I had an older white woman after one of my shows, she was like, I, I really liked your set. You're very clever. You are very intelligent. There's some shit like that. And I was like, man, thank, that's that's what I want to hear. You know, so yeah. I, want people, I want people to be like, damn. Yeah, you you get up there, you talk about thumb in the butt and some shit like some ignorant shit like that. But I also want, I just want people to be like, you know what? That's a smart dude right there. He, what he said, that was some real shit that he said. No pun intended, because the thumb in the butt. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like that's that's what I want people to to really walk away. Like one of my favorite comedians of all time is Chris Rock. Okay, and Chris Chris Rock, in my mind, always says something impactful and that's like my philosophy on it with, with comedy is if you're not saying nothing while you're up there then you don't need to be up there in my in my mind that's not granted they're, they're just like the same way there's a, a in, like in rap there was a there's an area for tupac there was also an area for digital underground you know what i'm saying somebody's gonna somebody has to do the party music i'd rather it be humpty hump i'd rather it be you know what i'm saying shock g and them doing shit like that than tupac you know what I'm saying? Doing shit like that. Even though he worked with them. But like you you get what I'm saying? I was just like, gonna bring that up actually. I was like, you do know Tupac was in Digital like Underground. Digital. But basically <laughs> I, I'd rather like okay, there's there's a there's an avenue. Like one thing that I've learned since like I said, I've become accepting of all performers. These whack ass rappers that I don't like, there is a lane the the reason that they're genius is because for one, they've made it to the 
to be famous doing dumb shit. So they, they you can't undermine their intelligence for that. But there's a lane for them. Somebody has to make that music. I would rather Lil Yachty make Lil Yachty music than Jay-Z making Lil Yachty music. You see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, fair enough. So that so with the comedy, yeah, there's there is a lane for somebody to just get up there and do one-liners. There is a lane for somebody to get up there and do toilet humor. But for me, it's like I think in order to be the the best, you gotta you gotta really get up there and say something. You, the, the ones the ones that we remember as legends all got up there and said something. Richard Pryor is widely regarded as the greatest ever, and George Carlin is often up there as well yeah. with the people. And they both were saying something. You know what I'm saying uh, uh, about the establishment, about the way the real world works, it was about their own personal lives, their own personal issues. That's that's so. When I get up there, I want people to be like, man. He was really saying something. That's kind of what I want them to walk away with. Nice. Man, I can respect that. And yeah. I have one final question for you, Jose. But before I get to that, where can people find you online? What's your corner of the internet? Man, y'all can find me uh, on Facebook, Jose Contreras. That might be a little uh, tough to, uh, to find because there's so many of us on there. On Instagram, <laughs> though. JC like Jesus is my Instagram handle. Literally, JC like Jesus. Those words all in one. Find me there. I'm always putting up some content, trying to make people laugh or shit, just venting. So those are my main two. Uh, yeah, those are my main two handles right there. All right. Well, I will put those links into the uh, show notes so people can find you easily um, through there. Thank you. Any upcoming shows or anything you want to plug? I will be at Tommy T's on May 17th, I want to say, which is a Thursday. I'm supposed to be at Tommy T's. Um, there we go. Cool. Um, other than that, next Wednesday, I'll be at Fogline uh, Bar and Grill in Hayward, California, off Clawwater Road. Other than that, you, you can just find me all around the bay doing some doing some shows here and there and and, and hopefully soon on on tv with the heart of the city if not soon enough i'll be there all right hell yeah man all right one final question for you jose it's the title question of the show and jose Contreras, how do you live uncontained you know man that's it's an interesting question and an interesting answer it's honestly I feel like I'm I, I legitimately feel like I am gifted and and I'm I'm special, you know, because in terms of living uncontained and to people telling me to be safer, I dropped out of college with two classes fucking left. You feel me? And so my mother every fucking day, when are you going back? Friends, are you going back? You wasted all that time? And I ain't talking about dropped out of community college. I'm talking about I dropped out of the number one public university in the nation. You know, so yeah. the University of California, Berkeley. And people are always telling me, I'm like, man, fuck all that. I don't know. Fuck that place. I don't, I don't want it. I didn't. It didn't do anything for me, but make me unhappy. And with the comedy shit, it's scary because it's like, man, I've seen. I've I've worked with people who are in their 40s, you know, late 30s. They've been doing it forever, and they still haven't caught a break. And I'm like, you know. All, it would be naive of me to say that'll never be me. There's a possible, there's a possibility that it could be me, but it's something. 
I, I like to think it's divine intervention, but it's just something deep down that like will tell me even at my lowest moments when I don't, there's been moments where I've given up on myself. I don't believe in myself. Like, man, I don't know. Are you that funny? Can you really do this? Well, I, I don't know if you got it. Do you think you got what it, do you really think you're special? You believe that shit that comes out your mouth? And there's a, there's a voice other than mine in the back of my head saying, no, nah, fuck all that. You're the one you're going to be. Yes. You are going to be the one. That's just how it's going to happen, whether you like it or not. So, you know, I, I'm I'm a I'm a spiritual dude. You know what I'm saying? Religious to an extent, if you will. And I, my best answer is for that is that that's the divine intervention thing telling me, yeah, no, nah, believe in you. You better believe in your motherfucking self because it's gonna happen whether you like it or not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right so on. that's kind of how I go with living uncontained, just like believing in 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 what I'm being told what i'm subconsciously telling myself you know also kanye shit my subconscious told my conscience <laughs> <laughs> my subconscious tells my conscience you know no nah, man hey i don't i don't give a fuck how you feel about it you're going to make it and i just i i, I literally believe in that i i don't have i can't see myself doing anything else you know, I can't see myself working the job that I have now forever. You know what I'm saying? Or or working yeah. another office job. Like I can't all I see myself is being being in a position to reach the world. And I've always felt that I've always felt that way, I think, I guess. As even as a kid. Like I've always felt like I was one of them weird weird ass kids that felt like when I watch a a superhero movie or show like man i think i'm a superhero <laughs> 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 I, think, I think i'm the chosen one i think i'm neo like you know what i'm saying like it, it sounds narcissistic you feel me like it, it, it sounds cocky if you will but i'm not saying i'm better than anybody else i'm just saying i even when i don't believe in myself i'm forced to believe in myself you got to believe in yourself and you got to basically, I think you got to fight the imposter syndrome too. Yeah. Thank you for coming on and talking with me tonight, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, had a blast. I look forward to catching you on stage sometime soon. And I have one final thing for you to do, Jose. And yes. that is sign off the show. Will you do me the honor of signing off the show tonight? Hey, man. I hope y'all enjoy this. If you don't, you listen to it already. Can't do shit about it. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you don't like me, don't worry. As soon as the world finds my old Facebook posts and tweets and shit, I'm done for. It's over. So there's no need to try to take me under. Other than that, my name is Jose Contreras, and I live uncontained. I just do what it does. Word. <laughs> and that does it for another episode of uncontained thank you for listening and thank you to jose for stopping by and talking with me here make sure you hit up uncontainedpod.com it's a great place to listen to the show and also find out ways to support the show as well thanks again for listening and until next time live uncontained